narcissists are experts at passive aggressiveness. They have this down so well, and we've talked about passive aggressiveness before on here, but I want today to take a deeper look at it. As a victim of abuse, we're so conditioned that we don't see it. Cognitive dissonance keeps us blind to so much for so long. I tell you now though, once you start to see what is going on, you cannot unsee it. Once you cross that threshold, you can't go back. The door behind you, it closes and it locks. Now I have some questions for you. Can you put the passive aggressive behavior into words? Can you describe it, define it, explain it? Can you give examples or do they just seem to disappear into the wind? Like it's clear in your mind one day, but the next day it's just gone. You know, are you feeling that abuse, that fog of being an abuse victim? Their expertise and passive aggressiveness adds so much to the confusion that is already happening within a victim's mind. I'm Renee Swanson, your host of the Covert Narcissism Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Before we get started, I want to let all of you know that our next round of group coaching session begins on February 13th. Do you want the freedom to talk openly with others who understand what you are going through? Are you tired of trying to explain yourself to people who just don't get it? Are you in need of your thoughts and feelings being validated by others who have lived this same nightmare? Do you need to know that you are not alone? You can turn this powerful negative energy from all the abuse into a positive driving force in your life. You can build a healthy sense of self with respected and trusted boundaries. You can have relationships that are built on a deep sense of trust, and you can learn to give voice to your own feelings and to give others that freedom as well. These group coaching sessions include a weekly two-hour live group coaching session with me, Renee Swanson, on Zoom. It includes a weekly worksheet assignment that's related to a specific topic each week. It includes daily unlimited access to a private Facebook group and daily unlimited support from me through email or Facebook Messenger. The topics that we cover, they include things like what really is covert narcissism and how is it playing out in your specific situation? Another topic is the effects that covert narcissism has on you, the victim, the survivor. Another topic is finding you again and living the life that you desire. Also, whether to stay or to leave and how to accomplish this. Another topic is what about my children? And another topic is how to move forward from here. There are other topics that we include in these, but these are the highlights. We have two sessions that are beginning on February 13th, a morning session and an afternoon session. That afternoon session only has two spots left in it. So if you want to jump in on that, please don't hesitate. For more information and to pay for your spot, just simply go to my website. That's the website I have for the Facebook group we have and for this podcast. It's www.covertnarcissism.com. If you have any trouble finding it, please email me, Renee, at covertnarcissism.com, and I will answer any questions you may have. Now let's go back to this deeper look at the passive-aggressive behavior of covert narcissism. So what is passive-aggressive behavior. People often use passive aggressive behavior to avoid confrontation. They use it to get their way or to make the other person feel bad, to make themselves feel better uh, or, or more superior. 
to be able to avoid blame and responsibility. These are some of the reasons that people use passive aggressive behavior. And I want to give you some very specific characteristics of passive aggressive behavior and some very specific examples. One of the characteristics is forgetfulness. They, they never actually get the task done, whatever it is. You know, you may, maybe you ask them to mow the grass or to fold the laundry or to take out the trash or, or whatever it is. And then when you ask them about it later, they respond with, oh, I forgot. And they use this as a way to blow it off. Like, I forgot. Everyone forgets, you know, and, and it's true. Everyone does forget. But with a covert narcissist, it's, it's very manipulated. They have selective forgetfulness. You know, they forget to do things that, that are tasks that they didn't really want to do in the first place, which is pretty much everything. Um, and it's a complete lack of effort into remembering, you know, it's, it's the task that they really don't want to do. And it isn't that they forgot. It's that they put no effort into remembering. And when you show any frustration with them for forgetting, then they guilt trip you with, well, I didn't mean to forget. Well, the problem is not that they didn't mean to forget. It's that they didn't mean not to forget. Let me say that again, because this concept applies in so many ways with covert narcissism. The problem is not that they didn't mean to forget. The problem is that they didn't mean not to forget. Let's take this, you know, and put it into uh, them talking mean to you or talking nasty to you. It's not that they didn't mean to talk nasty to you. You know, later they might go, well, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to talk that way to you. It's not that, about that they didn't mean to talk nasty. It's that they didn't mean not to. They don't put the effort into not talking that way. You know, it isn't that they didn't mean to ignore you. It's that they didn't mean not to. This so on and so on. This applies to all of this. And, and with covert narcissism, their, their behaviors are so manipulated. You know, everything they do is, is a manipulated, um, it's an exchange. You know, I do this and you do that. Or, or I say this and you say that. Everything is a manipulated exchange with them. And so if they forget that, that forgetfulness, it's for the purpose of they didn't really want to do it in the first place. That's a passive aggressive behavior. Another one is procrastination, you know, intentionally working slowly on something or even producing poor quality work, waiting until the last minute to get something done that they don't really want to do. And then using the excuse, well, I just ran out of time. You know, I really don't want to mow the grass. So I'll wait as long as I possibly can to mow the grass. And then by the time I actually get it started, you know, it rains or, or it gets dark and I can't see anymore. And they just, you know, well, I, I ran out of time. They do a poor job and then they'll say, well, it's the best that I could do. Under the circumstances, this was the best. And if they do a bad enough job over time, what happens is you simply start doing everything yourself. I hear this from so many victims of, I didn't realize how much I was doing until I finally started kind of looking at this, but, but it was just easier. It's easier for me to just do it myself than to put up with their procrastination, their excuses, their poor job of actually doing it. And, and many victims will actually start making excuses for them. Um, even trying to believe these excuses because they still believe in the goodness of this person. That's the cognitive dissonance. If you missed that episode, go back and look at, listen to it again. Um, but 
we want so badly to believe in the goodness of this person. And so we make excuses for them. It's easier to just do the work ourselves because if we do it ourselves, we know the job will get done. And I can still hang on to them. My belief that this is a good person. And so without complaint, you simply start doing all the work yourself rather than to ask them to do anything. Again, this is another form of their passive aggressive behavior. Another characteristic is ambiguity in speech. Um, being intentionally cryptic or indirect in the way that they answer you or the way they talk to you, not being clear with their words, leaving questions and doubts in your mind. This goes hand in hand with gaslighting. They answer in unclear ways or incomplete answers. And this leaves an out if they ever actually get questioned on something. You know, if they don't answer clearly and then later you question them on it, well, now they have an out. They can, I never said that. And maybe that's true. Maybe it was implied or maybe, you know, they, they never actually said this way or that way. And so now you're kind of stuck in a quandary. You know, how many times have you ever heard them say, well, I never said that. Even when their words are clearly, you know, when they clearly imply something that anyone would interpret this way, they still have that out. Well, I never said that. And then they rage at you for misinterpreting their supposedly clear and definite words, you know, and, and yet you can't even get a simple answer from them. I'll give you an example. You know, you might say to them, hey, when are you going to the store? Just asking that simple question to a covert narcissist can become a nightmare very quickly. Simple and straightforward conversations don't, don't happen. They're impossible. And so the question of, hey, when are you going to the store? You know, he might answer later. He or she, for me, it's, it's he, it's my husband, my ex-husband. And so for me, I will use he. But, uh, you know, he might say later. Well, later is, is not a helpful answer. Later can mean later today. Later can mean later this week. Later can mean a lot of things. But that leaves an, an open answer, an ambiguous answer open to interpretation. Well, you need to know because you need a few items in order to cook dinner tonight, like now. And so you might ask them, you know, a little more specifically, hey, do you know when you're going to actually go? Because I, I need a couple of things. And he's going to go, I, well, I said later. And this irritation is going to grow. And you may never get a more definitive answer than later. So you go to the store. You know, like I was just saying, they're, they're going to procrastinate or do a poor job of things. So you end up going to the store. So you go just, okay, fine. I need these things for dinner. I'm going to go to the store. And so you go, but when you get back, now he's mad at you. He's mad because you did it yourself. I told you I would go. Then in this conversation that happens, the circular conversation that happens, you're never going to get anywhere. Yes, but you said later. Right, I said later. So I said I would go. And it's going to go round and round and round. And these ambiguous answers set you up for these circular conversations over and over. Another form of passive aggressive treatment is sulking or, or giving the silent treatment. You know, for me, my ex used the silent treatment in a very specific way. And, and I've talked about it before. I'm going to talk about it again here. They won't actually say what is wrong. Instead, they go silent and they make a show of how hurt they are. And I've seen this show so many times from my ex. 
you know, it, it even to the point, uh, one time was, you know, that he, he would storm off upstairs and close himself in the guest bedroom for, you know, for an hour, whatever it was. Another time he laid in the middle of the kitchen floor, you know, a full grown man laying in the middle of my kitchen floor while I'm trying to cook dinner. And now I'm stepping over him and around him because he was so hurt by the way I had talked to him. But yet he wouldn't actually say it. He'd go silent and then he'd show how much he was hurt. And he would wait then for me to care for his feelings, you know, for me to stop everything I was doing and go, okay, why are you upset? So that he could then unload on me as to how much I was, you know, I had hurt him and all of this, or he would not unload and he would continue the silent treatment and just let this build and it would build and build and build. But he wanted all the attention and care because he felt entitled to it. I had hurt his feelings. He would sit in the corner in silence, at times even in the dark, waiting for me to come care for his feelings. And, and insisting that there's not a problem when there obviously is one, that's a form of passive aggressiveness. It's, you know, that answer that says, I'm fine, when clearly they are not, clearly they are upset. And then when you move on, like, you know, okay, he says he's fine. So you move on. Well, now they're mad at you for not caring for your feelings. I remember once when he had gotten his feelings all hurt, uh, clearly by something I had done, but he wouldn't tell me what it was. We were in our bedroom. We were talking, well, actually not talking about it, but we're trying to talk about it. And his use of the silent treatment was to hold this thick tension in the air while not answering my questions, you know, or not responding to something I said. I, I could say to him, you know, well, I, I'm sorry that you're upset. What's, what's the problem? What's the matter? And he would hold this silence, this pregnant pause of silence that was so incredibly uncomfortable. And if I tried to say something else, or if I tried to move on, well, then he was mad at me for not giving him a chance to talk. Didn't matter that we'd been sitting there in silence for like two minutes. And, and that silence was just unbearable. That It just felt like an eternity and it was painful. In this particular situation, I had been trying for like the last 30 minutes or so to understand why he was so upset, but he would not tell me. He would not answer me. And finally, he just said, I'm fine. And I said, okay. And I started to leave the room. I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm going to move on with my day. And in his most painful and hurt voice, he responded, sure, just leave like you do all the other times. You don't care. Well, now here we go again. I'm back to, of course I care. I've been sitting here trying to talk to you, you know, but even if I turn around and say, of course I care, it won't do any good at this point. He has decided to be the victim and nothing, nothing that I can do is going to change this. Nothing that I can say is going to make it better. Because if I remind you from episodes past, the pain inside of him has nothing to do with me. So I can't be the one to make it better. Now, this leads us right to the next characteristic of passive-aggressive behavior, that eternal victim role. They portray themselves as a victim over and over and over. Complaints of being underappreciated and misunderstood by others. Exaggerated complaints of personal misfortune, unfairness, or injustice. Everyone else gets all the wonderful things and attention that they deserve. Never mind that the others put work at it. Never mind that they put in time and effort and that this covert narcissist does not. That's not what they see. All they see is that everyone else is getting rewarded 
with attention or money or rewards or whatever, recognitions, whatever they're getting that the covert narcissist is not. The covert narcissist only sees that that person's getting what I deserved. I'll give you an example that's very specific, you know, in my family life. So my ex, he would pick our son up on his way home from work every, it was like every Tuesday and Thursday uh, from rock climbing club. Our son was in the rock climbing club and he was on his way home from work, you know, my ex's uh, route from home from work. And so he would swing in and pick him up. And this had been going on for like, I don't know, three or four months. And one evening though, my ex, he had a meeting after work. We were still married at the time. And so I picked our son up and I went to the facility where he was climbing and the walls for climbing, they were right in front of me. When you walk in the door, they're, they're right there. And so I stood there watching and, um, our son, when he saw me, he was getting ready to, to do another climb. And when he saw me, he goes, Hey mom, he goes, watch this. I want to show you what I, you know, what I can do. And so he starts climbing. And so I enjoyed watching him. I watched for quite, you know, five or 10 minutes he did a few different climbs and then he packed up his stuff and we went home. Well, later I told my husband, you know, Hey, I really enjoyed seeing the rock climbing today. I enjoyed getting to see our son climb some. Well, he immediately went silent and I knew I had just upset him. I knew this posture. I knew this, this place, this silent treatment place. And in his victim tone, he said, I've never gotten to see him climb. He doesn't show me. And he was so upset that our son would only show me his climbing and not him. I was really perplexed by this. I thought you've been picking him up for three or four months, twice a week. How have you not seen him climb? And so I asked my son about it later. I said, hey, has your dad ever seen you climb? And his answer was, I don't, I don't really know, mom. I said, what do you mean you don't know? Like, does he come in when he picks you up? Yeah, he comes in. Okay. I said, what does he do? He said, he comes in and he goes and stands in the corner by where the retail stuff is and he plays on his phone. So he said, when he comes in and when I notice he's standing over there, I pack up my stuff and we leave. That's all. My covert narcissistic husband did not see the difference between his behavior and mine. He comes in and stands in the corner, isolating himself and paying no attention to his son. So his son, seeing that his dad is there, not realizing his dad would have any interest in the rock climbing, packs up his stuff and they leave. I come in and I'm standing over by the walls, watching, looking, kind of curious as to what's going on. My son sees that. And my son reacts to that. He responds, hey, mom, look, I want to show you this. And I was excited to see it. But what my covert narcissist husband sees is that my son is wants to show me and won't show him. So all he sees is that he's a victim. Nobody wants to show me anything. He doesn't see the effort put in by anyone else. It was only once again, about how he was left out by us. This is a very passive aggressive behavior and extremely common with covert narcissists. 
The last characteristic I want to say is how they are overly critical of others. This also is very passive aggressive. They start teasing or making mocking remarks and they disguise them as jokes or misunderstandings, misinterpretations. If you've been with a covert narcissist long at all, you have seen this, you have experienced this. It goes back to that ambiguous speech, that unclear speech. They always will leave a door open where they can explain away what they did or what they didn't do or what they said or what they didn't say. There's always an out for them. You know, they cover it up by calling it, you know, a misinterpretation by you. Like you didn't understand what I said or a joke that you took the wrong way. I was only joking. You're the one that got upset about it or just complete denial. They even said it in the first place. I don't know what you're talking about because I didn't say that. All of this shifts the blame to you, keeping it off of them while at the same time, they still get to make their teasing and mocking remarks. They still get to make fun of other people or be critical of other people, but they will continuously pass that blame off to you. This blame shifting is a passive aggressive behavior. It causes you to doubt your own interpretations and perceptions. It causes you to question your reality. I want to give you two examples from my life with my covert narcissistic husband of his passive aggressive behavior. So in the first one, my cousin had died and I was working on making arrangements to go out of state for this funeral. And at this point, I thought the funeral was going to be on Thursday or Friday. So I'm trying to decide, am I flying or am I driving? And I asked him, are you wanting to come as well? And he said, I sort of want to come, but it doesn't make sense to buy two airline tickets. If you're going to fly, then I'll stay here. And if you're going to drive, then I'll come too. And I said, okay. I said, that's fine. I, I'm not sure. It depends on when they actually set the funeral for, like what day it's actually on. So we decided to wait and see, you know, what the funeral arrangements actually end up being. Well, the next day I found out that the funeral was going to be on Saturday. Well, I had a major work commitment on that Sunday. And so driving was no longer an option for me. And so I told him this and I started working on getting a flight booked. I asked him about the different airlines. I actually talked out loud with him about my options and like some of the itinerary. And during this time, he said nothing to me about wanting to go. Uh, the last I knew, he had said if, if I was flying, he was going to stay here. And he never said anything else about it. With him in the room, I even called my, my other cousin and asked about picking me up from the airport and could I stay with them. Like my husband heard all of this communication. Well, before I actually hit the pay button, I went out into the living room with where he was with my computer and I talked through the itinerary to make sure I wasn't missing anything, you know, talked through the airline fees, all of that to make sure it was all good. And just as I'm about to hit the purchase button, he says, so do you not want me to come? He says this in that, that snotty victim. So do you not want me to come? What? I turn and look at him and I said, you told me you didn't want me to buy an airline ticket for you. You said that if I'm flying, that you're not going to go because it didn't make sense to buy two airline tickets. I don't care if you want to come. If you want to come, then come. And if you don't, then don't. I'm not making that decision for you. Well, his answer to that was, well, I just get the feeling that you don't want me to come. So I won't go. Here we go again. Victim, victim, victim. They won't actually make any of the decisions for themselves. They're going to leave all of that on you but because then they can blame you for how they feel. He's not going to make the decision to actually come to the funeral. He's waiting for me to make that decision for him. And when I, when I don't make the decision for him, then it must be because I don't want him to come. This is that passive aggressive behavior that leads into so many circular 
conversations. The last example I want to give you, our son uh, was up on his college campus. He's at college not too far away. And I had gone up to pick him up. And on our way home, he asked if I could stop by a particular restaurant and grab some food for him. We were headed to a, to a class that we, an appointment we had. And so he ate in the van on the way there. And I really didn't think much of it at all. Well, after our commitment, we headed home and in the van, I actually asked him, Hey, does your dad know that you're coming home tonight? Like it was just, it was kind of a spur of the moment and I didn't know. And he said, yeah, he said that they had talked about it. And so he knew. And so I thought, okay, that's fine. Then, then when we came in the door, his dad turned and looked at him and said, Hey, what brings you down here? Well, our son said, I told you I was coming home tonight, dad. I'm going to Knoxville tomorrow. And his dad said, well, I knew you were going to Knoxville, but I didn't know you were coming here tonight. So here we go again with the ambiguous conversation. But that's fine. Conversation, you know, with him was always impossible. So we just kind of moved on. We left, left it alone and moved on. And our son, you know, he set his leftovers from that restaurant on the kitchen counter. And again, I didn't think anything of it. Well, you know, my ex-husband or my husband at the time, he's now upset because he felt left out of the conversation about whether, you know, whether the son was coming home this weekend or not. And so within two minutes of us being in the house, my husband goes into the kitchen and he stops by the garage door staring at the kitchen and just stands there. He was in that pose of, look at me, I'm upset and somebody better notice. I know that pose. And if you're married to a covert narcissist, you know that pose too. We went about our business and we said nothing to him because we, by this time, we were gray rocking pretty hard. We had seen this method of communication so many times. Well, after standing there for a few minutes, realizing we're not going to actually acknowledge him, he finally said, well, I wish I would have known. I would have met you at the restaurant and eaten with you too. And all I thought was, here we go again. Our son said to him, dad, we didn't eat there. I asked mom to just pick me up some food and I ate it in the van. Well, with no apology or recognition of any sort, he walked across the kitchen and out the back door. I turned to my son and I said, that's his passive aggressive way of saying, why didn't I get to go too? Why didn't you include me too? Our 20 year old son said, mom, I know I'm quite used to it. Their passive aggressive behavior it's there. Look for it. Start looking for the signs of it because it is affecting you and it is affecting your kids. Before I close off, I want to invite you to join us on Patreon for a very small membership fee. You get access to all the work that I am putting together now and for future projects. Currently, I'm running Tidbits of Revelations, which is a semi-weekly release of points to ponder on this path of awakening and healing. Inspira inspirations and realizations to help keep your thoughts clear and firmly placed on a journey of healing. To find that, go to www.patreon.com forward slash covert narcissism. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing. I never dreamed how much I would actually enjoy podcasting. When it was first suggested to me, I'll be honest, I was a bit intimidated by the thought. But when I found Anchor, I quickly realized how easy this was going to be. Anchor provides me with the tools to record and edit right within their program. I don't need additional software. I didn't even need to know how to distribute the podcast because they do it all for me. 
I would not be where I am today as a podcaster without Anchor. It's all you need and completely free. If you are looking to get started, download the Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started.